Despite his club signing over 10,000 players last season, Nottingham Forest boss Steve Cooper somehow managed to craft a cohesive team in the second half of the campaign. And that was enough to keep them in the Premier League. This term, there was another glut of acquisitions and the likeable Cooper is finding consistency hard to come by, both in terms of selection and in terms of results. Forrest's owner has a history of making coaching changes when results nosedive. So is Cooper running out of time. I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Better. It's a slick and streamlined tipping team today, starting with Mark O'Hare. Mark, Steve Cooper did brilliantly to get Forrest in the league in the first place, even better to keep them there. But if it wasn't for the promoted club struggling so badly this term, Forrest would be in serious danger. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a fair assessment. And Steve Cooper's position has been under threat now for a few weeks uh, there was a suggestion that if Forrest didn't get a, a positive result away at Wolves last weekend, he might be gone by the time we spoke this week. But um, he did get a reaction from his players. I thought, interestingly, you know, you spoke about those those changes in selection. He made seven changes last weekend for the trip to Wolves. Um, I think eight players who were signed in the summer started in the 5-0 thrashing of Fulham in that midweek match. Uh, so he made seven changes, bringing back basically a raft of players who had been with him from the campaign before and he got a reaction. He he switched the formation to, to a 3-5-2 system after playing a, a back four against Fulham and it, it paid dividends because, you know, they may have only got a 1-1 draw, but it stopped the, the rot of four straight defeats. But it was a deserved draw. And if anything, you know, Cooper said he was very proud of his players because he, he knew they could easily have pinched all three points on the day. They had great chances to win that match. Cuyate, Alanga, Toffolo in particular. Um, so I think they will take positives coming into Friday night's game against Tottenham. Yes, they've not been at their best so far this season. Even their city ground form has kind of been a little bit wayward in recent weeks too. But, you know, there are reasons for that. Uh, like Forrest and most other clubs in this division, they've been struck down with a, a whole heap of injuries and suspensions seemingly week to week. But the, the obvious one is Awanyi, who's been missing and is missing now for a, for a couple of months. Um, they've not won in 12 badly, matches. don't they? He's, a, he's very a badly, yeah. Front. yeah. It's 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 borne out in the numbers. You know, they they failed to win in twelve matches without him in the side, which is, you know, saying something really. So they're going to be up against it against Tottenham. Um, Spurs is priced. They're, they're sub one point eight to win at the City Ground, which is probably fair enough. But it's not something that appeals to me at all, to be honest. Um, the win against Newcastle was overdue. Um, kind of halted their own winless run. But I, I thought they'd been a little bit harshly dealt with in, in, that, in those five fixtures. We've talked about them previously, but the Chelsea game is, is difficult to judge overall, but they were terrific at the start before the red cards. The Villa game, they absolutely dominated and, and somehow contributed to, to lose that match. And then the West Ham game, they were architects of their own downfall too and in control at Wolves until stoppage time, lose that match and, and played their part at, at Man City too. So, you know, tremendous entertainment, but um, I would suggest that they're possibly not easy to trust these kind of prices away from home just yet, even if the injury crisis has improved. You've got Richarlison coming back, scoring, Papsar reinforcing that midfield, Romero being the enforcer at the back as well. Um, 
you know, they are absolutely the, the most likely winners here. But in terms of a price, it's not one that appeals to me. So I'm kind of happy to to leave the major markets alone here and focus on the prop side of things because Betfair Sportsbook are offering a, a whole load of different prop markets these, these weeks. And um, there's some nice value to be had. So I found two what I think are, are fantastic options, which combine to an 11 to 10 shot on the Sportsbook. Um, First of all, it's the Tottenham goalkeeper, which we assume will be Vicario, to make two or more saves um, at the city ground. So the Spurs goalkeeper, whoever's been between the sticks, well, it's basically been Vicario, hasn't it, week in, week out? Uh, he's been forced into two or more saves in all 15 Premier League matches this season, uh, averaging three per game. So 100% hit rate for the first leg. The second leg, I'm looking at Forrest to commit 12 or more fouls in the match. Now, Spurs are the most foul side in the Premier League. They draw almost 15 fouls per game. Uh, and Spurs opponents have committed 12 or more fouls in 14 of 15 Premier League matches this season. So not far off 100% record there. You look at the Forest side, loads of obvious candidates here. Ryan Yates, Gibbs White, Mangala, Bolly, uh, Sangare, Kuyate, Toffolo. I could go on, really. So we've got one selection with our 100% hit rate. The other has landed in 14 of 15 games. We're getting 11 to 10 uh, on the double in the, in the bet builder, which uh, I really like. Um, you know, we're not relying on individuals in theory here. We're just asking for sort of season-long trends to continue in the same direction. And we're getting an 11 to 10 shot. So I really like that, that play. Odds compiler, tipster and master of the sustainable edge. Mark Stinchcombe here once again. Stinch, Forest face the Spurs team that probably feels a bit ahead of schedule given they've hired a new manager with significantly different ideas to his predecessor. And of course, they lost Harry Kane in the summer. Yeah, I think Tottenham's performances or probably points total and results reflects quite well the volatility that we're seeing in the Premier League this season I think last time we spoke about Tottenham on a Friday night was when they went to Crystal Palace and they were top of the league and obviously things have gone uh, backwards as the sort of injuries have, have caught up with them um, and as we've seen you know to set a, a new uh, record of going 1-0 up in five consecutive games and then losing the match is is incredible. But again, that's I've, I feel like that's so Premier League, not so Tottenham. I think that's so Premier League with the volatility we're seeing with the increase in injury time and the increase in, in cards. It's just, it's just creating uh, mayhem in my mind. I think the Tottenham price is quite attractive this weekend when you consider... Forest's absence with a one year as Mark mentioned and you see the downturn in performances but also I feel for Steve Cooper in a way because he also lost Brennan Johnson in the summer yeah. and that's two massive forward players and they've had a huge turnover in players and I look at that midfield and I don't really see from the sort of the central areas who's going to do the creating. It seems very much more to me to be very combative, combative and defensive and try and, you know, keep the side in games, which was obviously an issue for them uh, away from home. I feel like the, the pressure on him um, it surprises me because it feels like there was more pressure on him compared to last season. And yet last season they were a lot worse in terms of where they are in in a in a league position, and I I uh, take on board the fact that if you know if we didn't have Luton, Sheffield United, Burnley, that they'd be doing a lot worse. But we do have those three teams, and you know Forest yeah. have were promoted one season before those two teams, so uh, three teams, so deserve to have had more time to adjust to the Premier League, and as a result, probably have more points because they are more. 
um, ready to, to tackle the Premier League. So I find the pressure a bit strange. And also you've seen that the, his, uh, the fans are absolutely unwavering, right? You know, that final yeah. defeat at Fulham. And yet they were still chatting and singing his name. So he was I, quite um, embarrassed by that, I think. Mm-hmm. I think. I think the fact that I think he was heartened by it, but quite embarrassed by it as well. Yeah, I mean, you can understand, you know, you lose 5-0 and, you know, you're getting your name chat and you can understand long term. It's kind of, you know, he deserves it. But yeah, in that 90 minutes, then yeah, you you, you feel bad and you, you don't expect to get adulation. But just the huge player turnover at Forest is... There's no way I don't think you can expect that team to gel overnight. But they do have a lot of individual quality. Uh, Morgan Gibbs-White, Ilanga's popped up with a few goals. Um, you know, Callum Hudson-Odoi was on the verge of a, what, 40 million move to Bayern Munich yeah. not so long ago. And, and now, he's, now he's playing for Forest. So, again, there's so much in the Premier I mean... I've not really got many bets for the Premier League this weekend. I just the volatility is just insane. You know, I think this this is going to be quite tight because I think, as I say, without a one, you've, the lack of Forest goals will mean that they'll probably try and keep things compact. But yeah, I mean, over two and a half goals is four to seven. I would rather the back unders, but <laughs> I think I'm. I don't. I don't think it's a. Uh, I want to say not value, but it's hard. It's hard to know without knowing how much injury time there's going to be. I think that's the that's the problem. You know, that's where... going to be, I mean, you've been, you've talked about that you know consistently throughout the season so far. That is a massive change, isn't it? And so it's quite it's quite jarring. It's quite difficult to kind of get a handle on how it's going to affect a game. Yeah, I mean, over two and a half goals is favourite in every single Premier League game this weekend, and that's normal. And it's like. But maybe I don't want to back over two and a half goals at 1.5 between Bournemouth and Luton. Like That's not what I want to do. But if there's going to be 15 minutes of injury time in total, then then you'd be you'd be a mug to, to back to back unders, I think. I think the, the Spurs game against Palace is perfect. I think it was nil-nil at half time. And then Jordan A scored an injury time to get to get over two and a half goals. So yeah, I I think I say I think Spurs price is quite attractive given the fact I don't I'm not sure where the goals are going to come from for Forrest, but again, I think Spurs' season is uh, encapsulate perfectly the the volatility with them taking leads and then and then going on to to lose. But uh, I think one interesting point was last weekend against Newcastle. Spurs were about 2.4 um, a few days before kickoff. They actually went off a lot closer to evens, so that might might be something to keep an eye on. That might be more in keeping with uh, Newcastle's huge injury backlog. But um, I thought that was something interesting to, as as Tottenham are getting some of these players back from injury. That um, maybe the the their odds will go off shorter come uh, come kickoff. But yeah, um, long story short, I just think yeah, so much variance and volatility in the, in the Premier League probably need a bigger sample size than uh, the beginning of the, December to really get a handle on the goals. Now, as viewers can see from my Street Fighter 2 Christmas jumper, I'm getting in the festive spirit and so are Betfair with their 12 pays of Christmas competition. You see what they've done there? 12 days of Christmas. They've made it 12 pays of Christmas. This is very, very good stuff. Uh, They're offering a £90 free bet every day until Christmas Eve to lucky punters who submit their heartbreaking losing bets. All you have to do to enter is tweet your losing bet slip and use the hashtag 
12 pays of Christmas to be in with a chance of winning. T's and C's in the description, 18 plus, begambleaware.org. Elsewhere, Newcastle licking their wounds after crashing out of Europe altogether in midweek. They face informed Fulham. And Mark, Eddie Howe's men do seem to be running on empty. It seems like they've only got about 13 or 14 players left. Yeah, so I mean, um, I think it's worth sort of highlighting first that I put my, uh, we put in our sort of games of choice we want to discuss into the, the podcast WhatsApp. Um, I sent mine across on, on Wednesday morning, which was before Newcastle played Milan. Um, I did that knowing that there was a big Champions League game that night. And uh, I was quite kind of confident in my own analysis and read of this game, but that was that was fine. And barring any sort of major injuries or fallout to that fixture, I was still quite keen on my stance, which is to oppose Newcastle. Um, for a couple of reasons, really. Uh, the obvious element is, is fatigue, not just physical, which we've seen quite... Um, quite often in recent weeks but it's also the the mental fatigue as well um which perhaps we haven't seen as much but um i just think going into that game on wednesday night eddie howe was talking about it before the match against milan and after the spurs match about how important that champions league game really was against milan he was saying how hard they worked last year to get into a position to play champions league football but they weren't just going to let it let it die, really. Um, and they were going to fight everything they've got to try and stay in that competition and stay in European competition after Christmas. Um, now, I didn't see the game against Milan. I was at Loftus Road, but, um, you know, I've heard the reports and um, still quite happy to be in my position, really. Um, talk about fatigue. I think it's a, it's a very quick turnaround, isn't it, from Wednesday night to a Saturday afternoon. I just think the how do you switch off or how do you sort of go again? I mean, clearly there's a huge motivation to play Milan at St. James's Park on a Wednesday night in a must-win match to then sort of recover on a Thursday and then start to think about Fulham and play them on a Saturday afternoon. It's not ideal. Um, you'd rather be in the Colchester's camp when you've had a full week to rest, prepare uh, and go at this game. Then and they're flying playing, as well. They absolutely are. Absolutely, yeah. Um, but I just think as well, it, from a Newcastle perspective, we saw Dan Byrne in the squad in midweek, which is a, a big plus, uh, whether he's fit enough to feature from the off, I don't know. But they're going to be missing Kieran Trippier here, who is suspended. He's looked a bit leggy in recent weeks anyway. But he's leading the Premier League in assists this season, seven already in the Premier League, which is a, a healthy total before Christmas. So, you know, Eddie Howe doesn't have too many options to rest and rotate, fewer than last weekend, if anything. Um Surely they're not going to be close to 100% coming into this match, as I say, mentally or physically. I know their St. James's Park form has been tremendous, but I just think the almost the result in midweek is just going to deflate them even further. So, uh, you know, if you look at the underlying metrics, Newcastle are as strong as any team at home in the Premier League this season. Look at expected goals, expected points. They're right up there. But sometimes I do think you have to look beyond the metrics and use a bit of common sense and intuition. Do you really want to trust Newcastle below 1.9 uh, in this current predicament? Having prioritised Wednesday, having had less than 72 hours to, to prepare and, and recover really from that heartbreak, um, personally, I definitely don't. Um, and I think Fulham plus half a goal at 2.11 is is a value selection here because of that. Uh, you said they've been finding form recently. They've, they've exploded in recent weeks. It's unbelievable, yeah. really. The goal tallies in the last four games, 3-3-5-5, three, three, five, five, 16 goals in four games. Um, they've managed Where's 10 that goals. come from? 
Is that just a confidence thing? Is it a variance thing that they were missing chances and now they're putting it away? Or is it, as Stinch says, the complete volatility and craziness of the Premier League? <laughs> what, what are we putting that down to? I wouldn't put it down to variance because they they hadn't really been creating many opportunities in the opening uh, sort of quarter of the campaign. I think it's got 10 goals in the first 12 I would put it much more down to confidence, uh, in particular Al Jimenez, who's now got four and five, having failed to score in his previous 33. He's looking pre-injury Jimenez again. You know, he's looking confident. He's making runs. He's winning headers. He's holding up the ball. He's linking play, um, bullying defenders as well, which is kind of the Jimenez we, we used to, to love at Wolves, really. And then you've got Willian producing and providing. Um, he's got four goal involvements in four. Even Alex Iwobi is, is contributing. It's almost like we've turned the clock back a decade with those three players and I'm all for old Alex Iwobi. He's always going to be the kind of player that you start the sentence with even, isn't he? Uh, even Alex Iwobi's performing. Bless yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit of praise there for him. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're rested, they're fresh. They've just come off successive five no wins and you know, their last away day was at Anfield. They lost it for but they gave Liverpool a mighty scare in that match. And they probably didn't deserve to lose at all. So if they can replicate just an ounce of that performance at St. James's Park, I don't think there's any reason why they can't go up to Tyneside and pick up something. Um, hence the the plus half a goal angle here. So um yeah, I'm I'm happy to give them a give them a shot here, even if the, the underlying metrics suggest uh, to avoid. Um I just think circumstantially this is this is a great opportunity for them. Let's head to Germany. In the Bundesliga, neither Darmstadt nor Wolfsburg are in good form. Stinch, how's this one going to go? Because Wolfsburg are a funny old team away from home. They're absolutely wretched. Yeah, I wanted to try and pick out a goals-based bet in the, the Bundesliga. And I was kind of surprised to see that uh, over two and a half goals is four to six here between uh, these two. Both very, very goal heavy this season. Uh, 54 goals in, in Darmstadt's 14 games, so just shy of four a match. And Wolfsburg's coming in at 43, so just over three per game. So yeah, I was surprised to see um, overs at 46, given that neither team can defend, essentially. Um, I think it's just three clean sheets across 28 games combined for, for both sides. Um, Which is weird for a Niko Kovac team. Because usually you associate him with organisation and being quite gritty, but Wolfsburg haven't been any of that. Yeah, and I, I'm quite concerned in terms of um, them longer term with the huge reliance on uh, Jonas Wind. I don't think anyone else has scored more than one goal um, in the Bundesliga for them. And he's contributing, I think, 50% of their goals, which is uh, way, way too high to, to have, be sustainable in terms of the team having success. He may well continue to score goals, but um, you, you, even at, like, say, Harry Kane, I think it's 42% he's uh, contributing. You're normally looking around your, your main striker to be contributing. So in between, like, sort of 30% and just over 40. So 50% is, is far too high. So longer term, they need to figure a way out to get more people um, scoring on a on a regular basis. But as you mentioned, away from home, they've lost six of the last seven, which includes the last six. And you know, losing to teams like Borkham, for, for example, conceding three at Borkham as well, not just losing the game. Um, so yeah, I, I think... Um, there's no reason to to back unders. Essentially, we we know about the increase in the Bundesliga average this season. You know, this is this is game week 15, so 
you know, nearly halfway into the season and the, the average is still up at 3.42 per game um, compared to 3.17 last season, which is still a healthy increase. And um, yeah, so I just wanted to increase the the price a little by adding in both teams to score given the their clean their respective clean sheet records, which gives us a, a price of five to six, which I think is, is uh, nice and attackable on a Saturday afternoon. Let's take you back to England then and mark the glamour of Shrewsbury against Portsmouth. I've been waiting for an opportunity to talk about Shrewsbury. Um, yes, of course. <laughs> what a stupid sentence. But uh, yeah, no, I have um, because they're, they're a remarkable team. Um, they defy all sorts of logic. Um, so if you look at the League One standings this season, Shrewsbury are 11th in League One. So they're a top half team. That is despite scoring 13 goals in 21 league games. Um, just astonishing, really. They failed to score in 12 of those 21 matches this season. When they have scored, they've avoided defeat. Um, and five of their eight wins this year have come by the same 1-0 scoreline. They are the epitome of a team just getting the most out of very tight margins. Um, but if you look at the underlying data, it is not pretty at all. They are ranking pretty much bottom, second bottom, or in the bottom four for almost every available metric. So they are very fortunate to be where they are. And this weekend, they are hosting Portsmouth, who are top of the table after a really eye-catching win uh, against Bolton. Um, you know, another team sort of going for the title on Monday night on television. Um, that's three wins on the spin now for, for Pompey after a, a bit of a wobble. Um, they're unbeaten away um, as well. And defensively, they have been very strong. 10 clean sheets and 20 this season. They've conceded just six goals in nine away. Best defence in the division. So, you know, you could easily tie that up and quite comfortably back something pro Portsmouth based here. Um, I wouldn't bet any of anyone off backing Pompey to win uh, to nil, which is around 3.1 or Pompey and BTTS. No. Um, to me, that's a, that's a valid option, but uh, I thought both teams to score. No, just as a single coming in at 1.87 was, was just too big to turn down here. Um, doesn't rely on Portsmouth to win, you know, Shrewsbury can win this game one nil if they need to again. Um, but yeah, it's not a million miles off a 50, 50 shot here in the BTTS market, which I cannot agree with whatsoever. So both teams to score. No has already won in 17 of Shrewsbury's 21 matches. Uh, they oh, scored wow. just two goals in Death eight thumb. games. <laughs> They're really not. We touched on Cheltenham earlier in the season, but a managerial change has at least livened them up. But Shrewsbury have just been turgid for the for the whole campaign, really. They've overtaken Cheltenham in terms of the most boring team in EFL. They scored just two goals in eight against top-half teams. Um, of the four games to involve Shrewsbury, that have it both games to score, all of which came against the bottom eight. Um, Pompey, meanwhile, have seen BTS known 11 of 20, but they have kept clean sheets and five of nine away. Um, so, as I say, my ratings make Shrewsbury a bottom four side. Um, and just one of Pompey's matches against that kind of standard of opposition in the bottom eight have seen BTTS land. Uh, and I think it's also worth noting too, just to be a bit careful, if you are being really pro-Pompey here, uh, they are still missing their top goal scorer, Colby Bishop. So uh, I guess another feather in the cap for BTTS, no. So 187, uh, my numbers make it much closer to a 1.7 shot. Do you remember that Saudi Pro League stuff and a load of players went out there? What happened with that? Is that still going on? Is that still happening? Stinch, are there still games? What's Steven Gerrard and Jordan Henderson doing these days? Yeah, I I thought I would be betting quite a lot on the, the Saudi League because of the influx of players, meaning more eyes than potentially more markets. And also the um, the early stages, 
maybe the odds not getting quite a handle on the fact that there there might be you no know, huge influx in goals. For example, I had a lot of success in uh, China when when that league kind of exploded. So I was hoping for something similar. Unfortunately, it didn't really go that way because from day one, the the odds for these teams not only to to win but for there to be lots of goals in the matches was was massively already um, in line with with the extremes if you like so then if, in order to try and find a value bet you then have to start opposing these team or, or opposing goals and as a sort of discussed um nowadays with with var um it's never nice really to be on unders on a regular basis yeah. if you like so i haven't really uh ventured in uh to the league but the the reason I want to touch on it this week was um, I, I hadn't put a goal scorer up for a while, and I wanted to find a, a goal scorer bet. And uh, and this this one comes from the it's kind of come the player comes from the Premier League, so there's a bit of a an overlap there. But yeah, the price uh, the price just looked uh, too big in uh, Al Etifak v Al Taiwoon. Uh, taking place on Saturday afternoon. So this is Steven Gerrard's team, Al Etifak of uh, the, the the class of uh, Dembele, Vitinho, uh, Damari Gray, and uh, yes, the aforementioned Jordan Henderson. Um, like coming the Harlem up, Globetrotters. Yeah, coming up against the the massive side of um, Al Taiwan, who um, have uh, Musa Barrow in their ranks. A bit disappointed that he's ended up going there. I thought Atalanta, he might kick on and become um, a decent player or even a, a Bologna. I thought maybe, you know, he could be this sort of Roberto Baggio in a way, that big talisman, big fish, small pond, but clearly not. He's given up on his career. Uh, they've got Alvaro Medran as well from the, probably not that well known, but he was playing in uh, La Liga for Levante, I think. Uh, he actually leads the, the side of the league for most assists. So that tells you immediately how poor the league is. And uh, no, it's not worth any of your viewing time, but it might be worth some of your betting time. Uh, so the player I wanted to focus on was Genie Wijnaldum. Because since ah, yes. he's arrived, he scored six goals in 13 games for Al Etifak, who are seven to five faves here. So very uh, slight faves at home. Uh, but he's four to one to score any time. So for someone with a record of six goals in 13, I thought that looked quite nice. Um, he's averaging nearly three shots per game. Um, he's averaging over one shot on target per game. So they're, they're always the, if I'm ever looking at a goal scorer, generally I want someone that's averaging around three a game. And yeah, if you've got sort of over one in three of those landing on target, again, that's, that's very healthy as well. So those kind of line up for me. Um, he's also missed two big chances this season, so he could arguably have some more goals. And yeah, the overriding factors, if you look at uh, our Etifact to score over 2.5 goals themselves, it's five to one. So if they if they were to score three, I'd like to think there's a good chance that Wijnaldum will be involved. And obviously, if you've already backed Wijnaldum and it finishes 1-0 and he scores, obviously, your 5-1 to one would lose, but the any time would win. So him him coming in at 4-1 to one when, um, as I say, if they had to score three, I think there's a, a very good chance he could be involved is, is a much better bet. And he's also already got a couple of braces this season. So you better chuck in the 29-1 uh, to one on him to get two or more as well. And what's really good is if he does score, he can shake hands with all the fans individually uh, after he does it. Uh, <laughs> worth bearing in mind, by the way, that Betfair's offering a completely free ACA on football this weekend. That's from the 14th of December to the 18th. 
Maximum free bet varies from £1 to £10 per customer. T's and C's apply. 18 plus. BeGambleAware.org. Right, it's time for the mailbag section. We asked for your questions and you delivered, but continue to send things into us, either in the comments, if you're watching on YouTube, or you can tweet us or X's or whatever it is now, uh, or you can uh, basically get in touch on any of Betfair's social media channels at Betfair. Uh, John Sparks got in touch and said, what is the bet you've had that looked like the best value, but then flopped the hardest? Mine was backing Bubba Watson to miss the cuts at the Masters before he went on to win it. Uh, Mark, any examples stand out for you there? Um... A lot of value bets losing every week, Kev. So um, hard to pick out the, the worst. Is but, that just the way it um, works? That you know, you you that's just the nature of the business, right? Playing percentages, yeah. But um, I'll probably go back to the Euros. Remember the Euros when Iceland beat England? Um, yes, I backed Iceland to to win the Euros at a thousand to one uh, about eighteen months before the European Championships. Uh, I could see the makings of a of a team, um, you know, inverted commas, team in terms of there was no big stars bar Sigurdsson really, but I knew that they were awkward and they were getting results and being genuinely difficult to beat uh, and get the better of. Um, so I backed them at thousand to one. I wrote a column putting them up at 500 to one um, on the old website I used to run, We Love Betting, and um, it got a gathered pace. So I think they went off around 50 to one for the tournament. And obviously when they beat England, um, really started to believe but uh, unfortunately the, the journey ended there but you know they, they should never have ever been anywhere close to those kind of prices at that particular moment so that might be it but I remember a, a time backing England to win to nil uh, was it against Malta or someone like that someone in bottom tier uh, and the opening show gave gave that England to win to nil a three to four 1.75 so yeah it was not far off a mortgage job and uh, obviously England conceded. So that was a uh, unhappy days. The right price would have been about 1.2, 1.3. So yeah, but just a couple of the off the cuff examples. Uh, Stinch, anything that springs to mind? Um, probably quite a long time ago, I was very heavy on Spain to make it four tournament successes in a row at World Cup 2014. They'd won the Euros two years previously, which I'd done the, the same approach by, um, I think I've been backing them every week um, to build up a, a nice position. And um, yeah, in 2013, they lost the Confederations Cup, I think it was, uh, against Brazil. Uh, in the final thing, they lost 3-0, and that's obviously where the World Cup was going to be played. So there's lots of um, talk about, you know, will they will they be able to, to bounce back and uh, win the tournament, particularly with all the heat and everything? And I was just like, well, you know, regardless, they'll make the latter stages, and then you, you'll obviously, you know, be in an advantageous position to trade out, or, you know, at least you'll have a positive EV bet. Um, but uh, after, I think they took the, yes, they took the lead against Holland in their opening game. I think it was a Xabi Alonso penalty and then bizarrely lost 5-2. And that was the then, Robin Van Persie diving head again, yes. right? Yeah. And then you think, oh, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll sort ourselves out against uh, Chile. I think in the 2010 World Cup, they'd been in a similar situation. They lost the opener against Switzerland and then they beat Chile, I think, you know, the second or the third game. Um, but they lost 2-0 against Chile. And yeah, you lose your first two matches in the World Cup and you're already out. 
And uh, <laughs> I think I told everybody in the world that that was my bet. So um, not only do you have to deal with the uh, financial loss, you have to deal with everybody. <laughs> How yeah. do you feel? Like, we knew that would happen. Why did you do it sort of thing? So, yeah, it's just one of them that you have to try and uh, bounce bounce back from. But as long as it's value, um, then then these things are, are going to happen. I guess I guess I think the outright is a is a much better um, example of it probably hurting more because you've probably been on the bet longer. And then if you yeah. followed the team through various stages of a tournament or the build up to the tournament, and you've seen how the price has maybe contracted, and you've been able to you know your position improve your position, and it looks like you've got an even bigger value if if they're to lose at a very early stage yeah, there's a big void um to fill uh, i put up jamal musiala as top scorer at the world cup in qatar at 100 to 1 and he didn't score a goal he had some chances he missed them all and germany as we know crashed out in the group stage but i still maintain uh that was a good bet uh just one more uh we'll have another question in the sunday show by the way but uh betting doc 999 got in touch on x or twitter or whatever the hell it is these days uh how many obscure matches has marco hair watched in the last week uh, um well it's been a champions league that's what you so, define as obscure doesn't yeah, it really not, not many last weekend um Watched a bit of Partizan Belgrade. Did try to get a <laughs> did try to get what a bit. Of, did. <laughs> did try to get a stream on a Slovan Bratislava's match, but uh, was unsuccessful. So that probably right. would, have, would have taken it. But um, yeah, Eredivisie, but Partizan Belgrade, I guess, is, is probably the, so nothing the one quite like VRLB in the fog, where literally That's, nobody could watch the game. That was more mainstream, manfully. Only Marco Hare could describe Villarreal B as mainstream, but there we go. Uh, now it's time for something that is very mainstream, the world-famous podcast Treble, the betting feature that sparked the only potential film in history to bring together the famous actors Colin Farrell, Matthew McConaughey, <laughs> and Leonardo Bonucci. Uh, how it works is all three of us come up with a selection ahead of the weekend's action, and lovely traders like Emmett or Brian uh, wrap them up for you in a boosted treble. I'm going to start... I'm going to back Lautaro Martinez to score for Inter at Lazio at 7-5. to five. He's got 16 goals across the league in the Champions League for Inter. I'm not bewitched by Lazio's recent run of clean sheets at home. I still think they're vulnerable. I think Inter are the best team in Italy by quite some distance. And that, to me, looks quite a big price. So start us off with something chunky. Uh, Stinch, what have you got for us? Easiest bet of the week for me. Arsenal v Brighton, both teams to score. Uh, I think it's around about 8-13. Lovely way to, to boost up a treble. Both teams have scored in Brighton's last 20 Premier League games and they scored six <laughs> in their two visits to the Emirates last season. But we will discuss that game more on the Sunday show. We will indeed. And Mark, take us home. Yeah, I'll keep it on Sunday as well. So all three matches will be taking place on Sunday with both teams to score in West Ham versus Wolves in the Premier League. Um, it's been a winner in 13 of 16 West Ham matches and 13 of 16 Wolves matches this season, giving it an 81% hit rate for both teams. So um, same time kickoff as Arsenal Brighton. So hopefully some BTTS winners in the Premier League. Now, Mark O'Hare caused worldwide controversy last week when he suggested that his beloved Scotwatch could be coming to an end. That's led to the creation of a hashtag, Save Our Scotwatch, and huge protests. I mean, huge. 
all over the UK and indeed beyond. Uh, viewer Darren Jones summed up the mood by writing, Scott Watch cannot die. Mark, you've ruined my day. So that's the kind of impact emotionally this is having on the country. So we've got a very special Scott Watch to make up for it because you're all so sad that he suggested that he was going to get rid of it. Mark O'Hare's Scott Watch actually has contributions from Mark and Stinch. So, Mark, I'm going to let you you start, then Stinch will give his bet, and then we'll have Culture Corner at the end. Oh, I'm, I'm nervous going first here. Um, yeah, well, first of all, encouraging to re- receive some of the, the kind feedback over the past week um, from staunch Scott Watch supporters. Um, I've not shut, shut the door on this segment yet, um, but the future is in the balance. So if you do want it saved, you have to let us know because um, <laughs> I'll be taking that into account before making a judgment over the festive period. Um, the good news, uh, Inverness did the business for us last weekend, um, despite falling behind early on. I'm going to stay in the championship as well this weekend uh, and again oppose Queen's Park as we did last week against Inverness. Uh, traveling to Greenwich Morton on Saturday. But rather than just back the home win, uh, odds against quotes here, uh, I'm going to go a bit further, be a bit bolder. It is Christmas around the corner. Let's try and make a bit of cash. Uh, I'm going to back Morton to win and both teams to score, which uh, boosts the price up to a very palatable 10 to 3, 4.33 in decimals. Uh, as mentioned last week, Queen's Park have only won three games all season. All three Gillett wins came in their opening three games. So they're actually winless since August, which is an 11 game sample. They've conceded multiple goals on nine occasions in those 11 fixtures. They have the worst defence in the division uh, last weekend, despite taking the lead. A home to Inverness, they lost 4 1. Now, Morton have just moved off the bottom of the table with back to back wins, both of which saw BTTS oblige. They've won three of the last six and the three defeats in that same sample came against three of the better teams in the division, Wraith, Partick and Dunfermline, all arrived by one goal margins of two as well, um, which goes to show how uh, competitive they have been recently. So if you look at the two teams' records together, actually, they've managed just two clean sheets all season and both teams to score has landed in 21 of their combined 28 matches. So combined BTTS with the home win and you get a nice juicy price. So Stinch, what was your view on this? So this is a bit mad, really, because um should really put it in context that Mark <clears throat> has his segment of Scott Watch, which um, he was continuing on this week. And I, we have no idea which game he's going to cover before we record. Right. So, yeah, I um, I thought, you know, it's what, like we'll... a magic trick, isn't it? Where the magician goes and we've never met and you haven't seen my cards. Absolutely. So, yes, you had no idea Mark was going to pick the game he's picked. No, and I was um, having a look through the the Scottish coupon because, um, yeah, hashtag save Scott Watch. And exactly. also, um, Scotland has been um, a great punting place for, for years because there's not as many eyes on it. So it's easier, I think, for some odds to go under the radar, essentially. I think that's why Mark um, has had a lot of success there. Um, so I thought, you know, we'll, we'll I'll dip into it as well and see what we can find. And yeah, this was, this was my, this came up as my, uh, best fixture, but it's not the same bet, which is, um, which is good. Cause otherwise, yes, there'll probably be lots of clamors of, yeah, you definitely copy in. There's no way this is a coincidence. <laughs> um, but it came up on my radar for a really good bet for over 2.5 goals, which I think is very similar to the approach, uh, uh Mark is expecting that, that the game to be fairly goal heavy. Um, you can get over 2.5 around about 1.83 
on the exchange. And yeah, just it looks like a, a massive six pointer with the seventh place Morton uh, coming up against ninth place Queen's Park. Obviously, only 10 teams in the division. And yeah, you look at their combined over 2.5 uh, success rate, it's uh, 19 of 27 have seen over 2.5 five goals and if you break it down in terms of home and away uh very still very healthy 83 percent of morton's home games have been overs and 71 percent for queen's park and i think the good thing really in in our favor definitely for both bets is despite the fact that queen's park is second bottom they've scored in the last seven away league games so they're very adept at scoring but clearly the reason they're second bottom is because they go on to then lose those games so very nice uh i quite, I quite like marks morton to win and both teams to score looks very nice um definitely there's been all we've talked about here is positive we definitely need to paint the one ounce of negativity that is the reverse meeting finished nil nil <laughs> don't know how <laughs> but uh if you look at last season in their four games all the matches finished over 2.5 goals and it's very healthy with 15 so nearly four per game so yeah i think if morton don't go on and win the game i'll be very disappointed if there are at least three goals in the match and Mark, Culture Corner. Mm, well, last weekend, last week's Scott Watch Culture Corner was was underwhelming to say the least, and I apologise for that. But um, <laughs> are you, you reviewing know. your own Scott Watch now? <laughs> yeah, I, I set high standards, and I was disappointed. So I can only understand the viewers' frustration or the listeners' disappointing. Um, four out of ten. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. I thought, you know, we've covered these two teams previously in Culture Corner. So, you know, I've I've kind of used up all the, the good nuggets, really. So I, I thought going forward, I need to start picking a club first and then a bet afterwards, really. But um, this is a betting show, so it's value first, culture second. So seeing as we've done both Morton and Queen's Park, I thought I'd do something a little bit different this time around. So I've got for you a collection of facts and trivia on the, the wonderful nation of Scotland. We've got a quiz involved as well. Um now, some Wonderful. of you may already know I didn't know, know anything about this. This is great. <laughs> well, you know, uh, I'm excited. Um, <laughs> some of you, we'll, we'll start with a gentle one. Um, I'm sure many people know this, but uh, Hamden Park was the, the biggest stadium in the world up until 1950, uh, with a capacity in excess of 100,000. Hamden Park being the place where Queen's Park play, ply their trade. But uh, in 1937, it had a world record attendance of 149,500 people cramming in to see England play Scotland. Uh, I believe that record still stands, which is a crazy amount of people going to watch a football match. So that's a nice gentle start. We're, we're going to move on to the quiz next, which is um, quite simply, what is Scotland's official animal? Um, I want serious answers only. You'll get one each, but just to kind of set the scene a little bit, I genuinely thought this was a wind-up in fairness. Um, I've had to check and verify it two or three times just to make sure it's it's genuine and official. What is Scotland's official animal? A bear. I'm going to go for a bear. That, that seems like a good fit. You said serious answers only, but then you came up with this like massive curveball. It's not the Loch Ness <laughs> monster, is it? <laughs> true, true. No, it's a unicorn. So Scotland's oh, okay. Official I think that animal. He rings a bell. Okay, is a mythical creature. Um, How dare you? Unicorns anyway. exist. You just have to believe. <laughs> <laughs> Going to move on to some hard-hitting facts, um, such as okay. Scotland is the home to the world's tallest hedge. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> it is, it's located near McClaw on the A93 Perth to Blair Gary Road. Um, the hedge is over 1,700 feet in length and over 100 foot high. Uh, I've Googled it. It's absolutely massive. It's the world's tallest hedge. Uh, and if you like your, your hedges and trees, Scotland's also home to the, the world's oldest tree. Um, so, you know, get yourself to Scotland if you're into that sort of thing. Um, next so up, if you want the world's oldest tree or the world's <laughs> tallest hedge, you're in. Scotland's yeah. the place to come. See, yeah. the tourist board, he's doing all of your work for you. <laughs> you know, Mark, hedging's for gardeners, not for betting. No, 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 no. Ah, there you oh, go. Don't hedge. Emotional hedges. Yeah. Very good. Next up, uh, just a ordinary fact, but I thought it was interesting. The shortest uh, commercial flight in the world is in Scotland. The journey from Westray to Papal Westray in Orkney is one and a half miles long and takes 47 seconds. So if you want to get on the world's what? shortest flight, um, Scotland is the place. 47 why seconds they do in this? the air. What, why? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Who's getting on a flight for 47 seconds? <laughs> no idea. Uh, we're going to finish off um, with some more facts. Uh, the little town of Bonnie Bridge, which is near our old friends at Falkirk and the Kelpies. Uh, Bonnie Bridge has had more than 300 reported UFO sightings every year on average. Um, spooky stuff. Um, so one of the reviews of Bonnie Bridge I came across is sensational. It says, having passed through Bonnie Bridge, I have to confess, I'm at a loss to see why this is an attraction. It has a very nice public library, the science fiction <laughs> section being particularly well stocked. Uh, the Forth and Clyde Canal runs nearby, and there's the usual smattering of commuter housing. But there's very little sign of UFO or alien activity here, which was disappointing considering the claims. Now, Wow. They're all in the library. That's is that reviewer expecting to turn up in Bonnie Bridge and just find ETs kind of just roaming around? I yeah, know. I think so. <laughs> just think tremendous, so. tremendous stuff. Uh, yeah, more Scotland facts next week. That genuinely one of my favourite Scott watches so far, if not my favourite. Uh, that's all we have time for on this edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Remember, we've got the Sunday show coming up. Don't be a dweeb and just watch this one or listen to this one. You have to listen to both. Um, also, lots of good preview content on betting.betfair.com. So make sure you check out that. And also all of our shows on YouTube on Betfair's new non-racing channel. So make sure you like and subscribe. From Mark, from Stinch and from me, it's goodbye for now.